Hey, welcome to episode one of the Higgs Flix podcast. This episode is sponsored by Charmin Toilet Paper, the product that will become the new commodity when society crumbles from this pandemic. All jokes aside, I don't think this will be the apocalyptic nightmare as some people assume. You know, there are there are a few silver linings to the situation. Uh, gas prices have dropped. People are staying inside, meaning less carbon emissions. And since school is closed, it is the perfect opportunity to start this little passion project that's been running through my mind for the past month or so. But I was just too bogged down with classes that I just never got the chance. I guess that's the thing about pursuing a film degree. You're so concerned with watching films for a grade that watching films for pleasure just kind of goes on the back burner. So today, I wanted to bridge that gap. I've been taking a class on Tarantino's filmography and analyzing just what makes him, as a director, stand out. During the course of this class, it gave me the opportunity to sit down and re-watch, and in some cases, watch for the first time, every last movie directed by Quentin Tarantino. And now that I have finally, after all these years, seen every Tarantino film at least once, I'd like to give you my rankings of every Tarantino film from the worst to the best. Just a couple of things before we get started. I am only doing films that were directed specifically by Quentin Tarantino. So, no co-directed projects, meaning no Four Rooms and no Sin City, despite how cool I think that movie is. But anyway, let's get this show on the road with number 9, Death Proof. Now notice I said Death Proof and not Grindhouse. That's because Grindhouse is not a movie, it's a double feature. The first film is Planet Terror, which is directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is then followed by Tarantino's Death Proof. And this movie is, frankly, experimentation for experimentation's sake. It's made to have the look and feel of a Grindhouse B-movie from the 1970s, but done through a Tarantino style of direction. As neat of a premise as that is, it's not enough to carry the movie forward. If watching Kurt Russell in a muscle car terrorize and mutilate a bunch of women is entertaining for you, I get it. But to me, when that's your entire movie and nothing else, I give it a hard pass. Number 8 is Jackie Brown. Believe it or not, I actually like this movie a lot. The main reason it's so low is, frankly, it doesn't feel like a Tarantino film. This is mostly thanks to the fact that it's not an original screenplay, but rather an adaptation of the novel Rum Punch. It's much slower than all of his other films. The cinematography is pretty straightforward, nothing to, nothing really to write home about. And the climax of the movie takes place from the perspective of three different individuals' point of view, back to back to back. With that being said, the movie is not without its merit. Pam Greer channels her glory days from the 1970s and brings the black exploitation genre back for one last hurrah. But, but as we'll see later on, this isn't even Tarantino's best black exploitation film, much less his best film film. Number seven is Tarantino's most recent, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Funny enough, my issue with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is similar to my issue with Death Proof. It's more concerned with paying homage to old Hollywood than actually making a movie. With that being said, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does this with way more class. In a way, this is Tarantino's way of telling us that he's become a sort of parody of himself and the last stage of his career. There's a western set that looks just like a set from Django Unchained, where Leo DiCaprio plays an actor who plays an exaggerated version of Calvin Candy, and this would have been dead last on this list if not for the ending. The idea of rewriting history in the name of entertainment is nothing new for Tarantino, but the idea of having 
just one small thing like DiCaprio's character just getting in the way of Sharon Tate's murder is such a neat concept. Plus, who doesn't love watching Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio absolutely massacre members of the Manson cult? Number six is another one of Tarantino's recent films, The Hateful Eight. In my most recent viewing of this, I actually watched a serialized version of it on Netflix, and that made the experience a lot more enjoyable because I could take little breaks between each episode. Watching it as a whole, however, is completely exhausting. This is one of those movies that moves as slow as molasses and takes place for the most part in one single location. So if you want to watch this movie, be prepared to really settle in. With that being said, I think this movie is so cool and so unique. The general ambience of a little log cabin is so relaxing, but then the whodunit element comes into the mix which turns into this cabin into a claustrophobic nightmare. More than that, it's a period piece that we don't often see. Usually movies that take place during the Civil War happen either before or during, but never during the aftermath where you have Southerners who are bitter about having to rebuild after losing the war, and Northerners who feel righteous in their victory because they frankly were on the side of good, despite the fact that they did a lot of terrible things in order to win the war. It's a type of tension I've never seen before, and I find myself enjoying it more with every rewatch. Number five on this list is Inglorious Bastards. This is probably the most Tarantino film you will ever watch. Everything from the revision of history, to the revenge element, to the incorporation of spaghetti western tropes, and the climax of this movie taking place at a movie theater of all places, all serve to paint a vivid picture of who Tarantino is as an author. Another big selling point of this movie is Christoph Waltz as Hans Landa, aka the Jew Hunter. This man is 100% terrifying, and his menace is established right at the very beginning in the cold opening. While I do think it overstays its welcome at times, if you just stick with it and really pay attention, the final, product, the final product is mind-blowing once you see where all the pieces are going. Number four on this list is Tarantino's debut feature film, Reservoir Dogs. This man just really hit the ground running. Rewatching this movie after seeing everything that would come after, Tarantino clearly had a vision from the very beginning as to what kinds of movies he wanted to make. He wanted to be the director that, in his own words, focuses on the poetry between the lines. The film is about a bank heist gone wrong, but you only see the aftermath. The timeline of events plays out of order like some kind of puzzle. This film is way more dialogue than action, and when you do see action, it's so brutal and scarring, you find yourself just longing for more of just Steve Buscemi and Harvey Keitel arguing. While this film certainly is not Tarantino's best work, it's certainly a little rough around the edges, but the fact that he was able to accomplish so much in his first attempt at filmmaking is completely mind-blowing. Number three is Pulp Fiction. I said that Inglorious Bastards best describes who Tarantino is as a director, and I still believe that, but I'm also willing to bet that when you hear Quentin Tarantino, you immediately think about John Travolta talking about a Royale with cheese, or Samuel Jackson misquoting Ezekiel 2517 just before Cabin a Fool. And why wouldn't you? Despite this being Tarantino's second film, this is the one that truly cemented Tarantino as a pop culture icon. Tarantino takes everything he did in Reservoir Dogs, the heavy use of dialogue, the out-of-order narrative, and an extreme focus on the ordinary and everyday, and perfects it in Pulp Fiction. Much like Inglorious Bastards, it can seem like the movie slows down to a full-on crawl, but if you go in with the mentality that you're going to live with these characters for a while, 
you can appreciate the mosaic of vignettes that all work together to build one big narrative. The next one on my list almost became my number one, but didn't quite make it, Django Unchained. This was the first movie I ever saw directed by Tarantino and was obsessed from that day onward. This is probably Tarantino's most straightforward film as far as narrative goes. There's a definite beginning, middle, and end, making it a much easier film to digest than most of his other films, where the timeline just goes all over the place. Besides that, the movie is just so much fun. Something about watching a black slave take down a bunch of white slavers to rescue his enslaved wife in the process is possibly the most American version of historic wish fulfillment outside of maybe Inglorious Bastards. It's a brand new spin on the American Western, and it somehow manages to show something as serious as African enslavement and makes it fun where the black man comes on top for a change. It's not the classiest of Tarantino's films, but it's the most exciting and the least alienating for people unaware of Tarantino's style. I enjoy every last one of these films, but none of them compare to brrr, Kill Bill. Now you might be thinking to yourself, John, you big dummy, those are two movies, not one. And yes, you're right, but Tarantino considers Kill Bill to be one movie, so I'm going to consider it one movie. Everything about this movie is pure joy. Watching Uma Thurman take down her former enemies one by one is exhilarating. That yellow outfit that she wears at the end of Volume 1 is iconic. Uh, the soundtrack has the most variety by employing Chinese flute music, rap, and even country music. And this movie dips its toes in the most genres by being an anime, a western, and a samurai film all rolled into one. While I do think that Volume 1 is way better than Volume 2, if you watch them side by side and treat them like one long movie, you get something that manages to be meditative yet exciting, bombastic yet subtle, entertaining yet respectful, scarring yet honestly kind of heartwarming. There's not a single scene, especially in Volume 1, that I would take out because this movie does such a good job at keeping your attention. I could go on forever about this movie, but I think that about wraps up this episode. If you stay tuned for this entire series, thank you so much for listening. Podcasting is something I've wanted to do for the longest time, and now there's a pandemic, I figured I may as well take advantage of all this free time I have all of a sudden. Maybe if this gets worse, it'll be like those tape recordings that you find in video games that chronicles the crumble of society that you have to collect to get that PlayStation trophy. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I'm Higgs, this has been my flick, and thanks for listening.